Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host... Maddie Murphy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie. I'm your host, and I'm recording at the Dear Media Studios today. I'm not normally here, but I was in town. And I thought I'd pop on over and record an episode. And I love being here. So I this episode is going to be a little bit different. Normally, we have like a topic that I will go into and that you guys submit answers for. And we talk about that. But this episode is kind of a reintroduction to me because I've had a handful of new listeners and people who are like, why? What gives you the right to have a podcast? And you know what? I don't know what the answer to that is, but I'm going to tell you guys about myself. <laughs> I won't I won't bore you guys if you've been here and you know about me. I won't answer too many repeats, but I just wanted to give the new listeners kind of an intro to what we do here and who I am. So quickly about me. Oh, wait. And I do want to say we're going to do kind of a mix. So we have some voicemails and we also have some submitted answers just on Instagram. I did a little question box for you guys. And so we're going to go kind of back and forth. Some some I'll read and some we'll have voicemails for. So basically, there's not a whole lot about me. I actually don't have very much to say about myself. <laughs> but my name's Maddie. I'm 27. I'm, oh, whoops. I am 28. I am 28 recently. I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. And I started this podcast almost two, we're coming up on two years. And I'm coming up on one year being with Dear Media. So that is kind of the origin story of the podcast. I started it mid-quarantine and just thought that I could talk shit in a microphone. And then here we are, two years later. And yeah, I don't really have any previous experience in this. People are always like, oh, what did you do before this? I was a barista at a bakery and that was all I did. And then quarantine hit. Uh, Matt, my husband, is a composer. So we've always had an extra studio or like our extra bedroom has always been a studio. So I was like, hey, I'll try this out during quarantine. And then, yep, it just, it happened to work out. And I always tell people like I would, I started the podcast and then every week I would be like, okay, this one's going to be my last one because nobody's going to listen. And then I would do one and then I would like have like some positive feedback and I'd be like, okay, I'll do it just one more time. And with that said, probably the number one question that I got asked on voicemails and on Instagram I didn't I didn't put it in any of the voicemails because there were a couple that said it, but it's how do I start a podcast? And I think a lot of people are asking this because I was on what we said a few weeks ago 
And I said that I think that everybody should have the knowledge of how to start a podcast because it's really fun. It's, you know, it's low risk. You don't have to spend a ton of money to get started. And it's a fun, creative outlet. And what I always tell people when they ask how to start a podcast, the thing is, is that the logistics are very easy to do it. You just, you, you need to record it. However that is, you know, get a microphone on Amazon, record it, and then you upload it to a platform. I used to use Anchor when I was on my own. Now I'm with Dear Media and they upload it for me. But by far the hardest and scariest part is just starting (laughs) and is just uploading your first episode and then telling people about it. I remember when I first started, I was like, I have to tell people that I have a podcast. Like this is humiliating. I don't want to tell anyone. And that's how I felt for like six months. Like when people were asking what I was doing, I'm like, oh, I like have this podcast. And like, I always felt so dumb. And now it's like my proudest thing of my life. And so it's really just getting over that. I I can't even tell you guys how often I get asked this. So my advice to you guys is get a microphone and and upload it and then see where it takes you. And that's... I mean, I wish that it was more complicated because then I would look really smart. Like I would look like I figured out something really hard, uh, but it's easy. And if you love it, people will love to listen to you. And that's that's my starting a podcast advice. I do get asked that a lot. So now that you know a lot about that or a little bit about that and a little bit about me, uh, what do we do with the bad broadcast? We I like to complain a lot. I like to point things out. And have a bad attitude about them is kind of how this started. We talk about a few other things now. We go into different topics, but I do I do like to keep that keep that in mind. I like to complain and just let off some steam. And with that said, I got a very interesting question on my Instagram this week that I wanted to talk about because it does tie into that. Somebody asked me, she said, what do I say to my husband who tells me he thinks that I complain more after religiously listening to your podcast? When really the podcast has just made me feel seen and honestly more empowered to speak my truths and that and what bothers me. Let me know. Love you. Yeah, I, I don't ever know what to say to people when they tell me this because I don't think that I, how do I even say this? I don't think that I complain more than the average person. I just do it in a public way. And I found this quote. I know what you guys are going to say. Okay, I found this lame quote. It's like a Pinterest quote and you guys are going to roast me for it. But I thought it was so good. And I need you guys to just suspend judgment for a minute so I can read you this quote because I really did like it. And I felt like it it spoke to why I feel okay complaining. So just let me have this one cheesy quote. I never make you guys sit through these. Just give me one, okay? This is what it says. She is a real person. She struggles. She's no longer afraid to say what makes her angry, sad, or what she thinks is unfair. She's not afraid to admit that at times she feels worthless, lost, or not enough. She's refusing to hide from love, beauty, aliveness, magic, and abundance. She won't edit the sad or messed up parts of her story and the holy magnitude of her triumphs to make anyone comfortable. She is a real person. And that's kind of how I feel. Like, I feel like people people expect women to have better attitudes than everybody else. Like, people just think that women shouldn't complain or shouldn't have a bad attitude. I always get the word unbecoming. People are like, it's unbecoming to be negative. But like, I'm a human being. I have things that I hate. I have things that bug me. I have things that I want to complain about. And I don't think it's a crime to to complain about them. So that's what I say. I say no real person that's existing in the world has a good attitude all the time. Okay, let's play a voicemail. Let's do the first voicemail. Hi, Maddie. Um, Okay, I don't know if this is like a Maddie thought or 
just something I want to talk about, get off my chest, because I'm really struggling and nobody's talking about it. Why are we not talking about the fact that the most famous cannibal of all time is named Hannibal? Like, is that not extremely ironic to anybody else? A cannibal named Hannibal? Are we kidding? Anyway, just needed to tell you that, get your thoughts. Why do you think that is? Is it a coincidence? Is a cannibal named after Hannibal? Which came first, cannibal or Hannibal? I don't know. Hey, that's all. I love you. Bye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I forgot that I had picked this one. Okay. If you haven't listened to the last few episodes, I've started doing this, this thing called Maddie Thoughts, which is, which is basically just stupid thoughts that I have. And then I opened them up to you guys. And I forgot that I had put one of these voicemails in. And I'm just so excited because... I I hate to be the one to break it to you, but Hannibal is not real. <laughs> Hannibal is fictional. And that's probably why he's named Hannibal, because he's he is a fictional cannibal. I would be really worried if they're like if that was if that was really happening. But thankfully it's fake. And I just love that I get to be the one to inform you. But I will say I probably had this thought before I saw Silence of the Lambs. Like I didn't see Silence of the Lambs, so I was like. I don't know, 23, because I hate scary movies, but finally Matt talked me into it. Um, and now I have a, literally have a poster of it hanging on my wall. <laughs> I love it so much. So uh, in case you were out there wondering if Hannibal is named after a cannibal or if he just gave himself that fun nickname, uh, rest assured, he's not a real person. He's not coming for you. There's nothing wrong, okay? Also, yeah, I will say that I think Hannibal Lecter is probably one of the scariest villains of all time. He's so, so terrifying. Okay, I'm going to go with a written question now that somebody had for me. Somebody said, tell us your favorite thing you've ever learned in therapy. And this one, I should have written down. I should have written down my answers because there's a lot of things that I've learned. I really, really love my therapist. I actually just met my therapist's wife a couple days ago, and it was lovely. Anyway, something that I have a hard time with and that my therapist helps me work through is kind of this innate feeling that I need to, it's kind of like what we we're just talking or what that, that Pinterest quote is said that I just read to you guys, but kind of this feeling of like self-sacrifice that I have to sacrifice my happiness and my well-being and my peace and my everything to make other people around me feel better. And I don't know if that's a woman thing. I don't know if that's a human thing. I really don't know, but it's, it's really fascinating when somebody points out that you are purposely making, putting yourself last and I choose myself. Like, I'm going to choose myself over everybody else. And that includes Matt. Like, I choose Matt over everyone until it comes to myself. Like, I, I have to put myself first because then once I'm up to par, then I can be a better person in other people's lives. I'm such a bad friend when I'm, like, trying to put everybody before me, which feels ironic because you would think if you're putting everybody first, you would be, like, the best at it. You'd be the best friend, the best wife, the best daughter, but it turns out that you're actually just depleting all of yourself for the people around you. And you're actually just a way worse version of yourself. So I get the pull to want to do that. Uh, but it's a really powerful thing when you're like, oh, I can like just be in charge of myself and put myself first. And if things aren't good for me, I can walk away. And then I'm an even better partner and friend to everyone around me. That's probably the number one thing that I have uh, have learned in therapy.
This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Parade. Soft, cozy, and sustainable, which are three words I don't normally use when describing my underwear, but that all changed when I tried Parade. Parade makes sustainable, creative basics so soft and comfortable that you can't wait to put them on. This company launched only two and a half years ago with the mission to make underwear more accessible, inclusive, and self-expressive. Since then, they've sold over 2 million pairs. My parade package is literally waiting at my house for me right now, and I'm so anxious to go home and put them on because it's basically all I wear when I'm home. From extra small to triple XL, Parade's inclusive sizing means that you will have zero trouble finding that perfect bralette or pair of underwear. Did I mention that they're all about sustainability? Because Parade crafts their signature styles with super soft, certified, recycled yarns. Plus, all their products come in biodegradable packaging. And for every Parade purchase you make, they give back to organizations that support reproductive rights, racial equality, and LGBTQ plus communities. Also, it's not just underwear. I'm going to throw this in here. It's also like sleep shorts and robes, anything cozy you can think of, Parade has it. So upgrade your top drawer with an exclusive 20% off Parade. Go to yourparade.com slash bad and use code bad to get 20% off. That's Y-O-U-R-P-A-R-A-D-E dot com slash bad. And the code is bad. This next one's also another serious one. So since we're on the serious topic, we'll just we'll just keep going. Somebody said, um, I'm sorry to be so serious and a downer, but I know you and Matt struggled financially at one point. What helped you guys hang on and get through it? This one I do have one answer for that really helped us. And we had to neutralize money. It couldn't be good or bad. It couldn't be a good thing. We couldn't be happier when we had it or sad when we didn't have it. I think actually, I mean, now I can tell you guys this, but so I got picked for the the 40 under 40 for like a Utah magazine last year. And I remember I got picked for it. And I was doing this photo shoot with like all these amazing entrepreneurs and like people who owned their own businesses. I was like sitting in a Corvette. Like it was so fancy. I had negative 40 cents in my bank account. <laughs> and that was all the money that we had. And I was like, this is such a lie that I, you know, deserve to be here because I have no money. But the fact of the matter is that it didn't change anything about us as people. It didn't make us better people when we had more money. It didn't make us worse people when we, when we didn't. And also the abundance mindset stuff, there's a lot of like workshops and things that you can do out there. I've, I've done like abundance meditations and like random things like that. But the main thing was just taking the feelings out of money. And also like we couldn't, we just had to really deconstruct like a lot of shame and passive aggression that we had within finances. Like if one of us spent too much money, like we were all, we were like tiptoeing around and like making comments about it. Like we just had to kind of do away with that. And then logistically we, we, and we still do this. We sit down at the beginning of every month. We write down like what bills are coming out and we put, put them in our calendar. So we know like car payments here, rent is due here, insurance comes out here. Just so we're always on the same page because money Money is is so hard because it can control so much of your life. So once you kind of take the emotions out of it, it doesn't like win. Like I remember talking to Matt being like, I'm just like so sick of money winning. Like I'm sick of us not having money, putting me in the worst mood and like making us fight because we didn't get married because we had money. Like we got married because we loved each other. We wanted to do life together. And it's hard when when life requires money. So we just had to had to, yeah get the emotion out of it and 
communicate a lot and then also not be stupid with our money. I'm the worst at money. I still am. Like, I I have no clue when people are like, oh, you just have to put like 50% in savings. I'm like, what are you talking about? How would I ever do that? I I need it. <laughs> I need that money. But it's it's a hard thing. And yeah, you got to just talk about it a lot. I'm pretty sure it's like the number one reason people split up. So if you can beat money, it's half the battle, I guess. I don't know. Um, okay, let's do another voicemail. Hi, Maddie. Here's my question for you. When I DM an influencer and they take the time to actually reply, but their reply doesn't necessarily require a response back, is it best to not like a reply to their message? Or is that rude because it makes it seem like I'm ungrateful for them taking the time to respond? I want them to know that it means a lot to me that they responded, but if I like their comment or respond back, I know it gives them another unnecessary notification to sort through. And I don't know if that's more annoying. Please let me know because this is honestly something that keeps me up at night. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Well, first of all, please don't please don't lose sleep over it because as far as I mean, I don't have a huge following. It's not like I'm getting I'm drowning in DMs. But for me, I'm just I've I've never once been offended by anybody's response or lack thereof. If anybody wants to respond, I love it. I try to stay on top of my DMs because I think it's fun. I know it's stressful for some people, but I just genuinely enjoy like chatting in my DMs. Uh, that being said, I can't always get to all of them. So I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm like, are people getting offended? Like if I see it, but then forget to respond or if I just like it. And I think that we can just put a general rule over all of it. I promise you that I will not get offended if you promise me that you will also not get offended. So we'll just we'll just say DM etiquette is out the window. Okay. Just don't get your feelings hurt. I'm not hurt if you don't want to respond or if you do, or if you just like my message, or if you, I don't know, as long as you're not DMing me like mean things, that's the only thing I would really not prefer. Uh, but if you're just like commenting on something and then I respond, don't feel any pressure. Don't feel any pressure because I, I'm fine either way. And again, I'm never bothered by DMs. I think people, a lot of times people will like apologize. They'll be like, I'm so sorry to DM you. I'm like, I'm here and I leave them open for a reason because I like to talk to you guys. So no, no offense either way, but I love that you guys care. I love that we're all these weird little internet friends. <laughs> okay. Another written question that I had is where are you from? I don't know if I, I think I said this. I live in Salt Lake right now, Salt Lake City, Utah, um, but I am from a smaller town in Utah called Alpine, Utah. I don't really have much to say about that. Loved growing up there. It's gorgeous. I don't know if I would ever live there again. It's very, it's a very different place than when I was there, but it was a great, great place to grow up. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Bloom Nutrition. Do you, like me, identify as a hot girl with stomach issues? Probably. If you're dealing with bloating, digestion issues, or you just don't know why you aren't feeling good lately, Bloom can help you feel hot year-round without the stomach issues. Bloom Nutrition makes it easy and delicious to give your body what it needs to feel your best inside and out. I don't need to remind you guys, but I will. I'm on a gut health journey, so I'm always looking for things that are going to decrease the bloat and help digestion. Their greens and superfood powder blends fight bloating, they help digestion, they increase your natural energy, and they keep your skin glowing. That's something that people don't realize. Your gut health, very closely tied to your skin. Bloom Greens are packed with over 50 nutrients, including whole fruits and veggies, fiber, probiotics, antioxidants, and more 
all-in-one easy-to-drink formula. You can put it in like water or a smoothie or your OJ in the morning. It comes in four flavors, coconut, mixed berry, citrus, and original. Bloom is made for you, for whatever you need it for, whether you're trying to recover from a big meal or a night out, or you're just working on your gut like I am. Over 350,000 people trust Bloom to feel better every day. And right now, Bloom Nutrition is offering my listeners 15% off of your purchase of their greens and superfood blends when you go to bloomnew.com slash bad. I'm going to spell it for you. It's B-L-O-O-M-N-U.com slash bad for 15% off of your purchase. Again, go to bloomnew.com slash bad for 15% off. Hello and welcome. This is Dr. Shaheen Gadir, and I'm an expert in the world of fertility, the area that I love and have passion for. I have helped thousands of people around the globe start their beautiful families. And in this podcast, The Fertile Life, I interview guests about their path to parenthood and dive into discussions around how the road to becoming a parent shapes us. Through insightful conversations, I hope to create a guide for listeners in all stages of life and break many stigmas often associated with fertility. Follow along as I take you through the journey towards the fertile life. The next question says, what would your perfect girl's trip be? Okay, let's think about this. My perfect girl's trip. If like money was not a factor, if I could pay for all of my friends to do absolutely everything, this is what I would do. I would want to go somewhere far away, I think. I think I would want to go to like, or somewhere with good food, Italy. I'd like to go to Italy. I'd like to pay for all my friends to go to Italy. That's my new financial goal. My old financial goal was just like, don't go to prison for taxes. This one's like, I want to pay for all my friends to go to Italy. But I would get like a giant Airbnb and then I would buy everybody pajamas. I would buy everybody all of their dream, like cozy clothes. I don't know if you guys were asking me like what my dream girl's trip is, but this is what I'm telling you. I'd buy everybody the coziest clothes I could and then I would have every meal catered and I would never leave the house. That's all I would do. I wouldn't even do anything crazy. I'm not trying to like go to any club. I'm not trying to do anything. I would have a full lineup of every chick flick I love and clothes and then an unlimited buffet at all times. Tell me that does not sound like the best trip ever. That sounds like the best trip ever. Okay. Oh, this one I answered because, or this one I selected because he's here. Somebody asked what my producer does. I think people are like, why do you need one? Or what does he do? Nick keeps me on track, first of all. Gets, he, so this is basically how my weekly flow goes with the podcast. I record and then I write like the title and the description and all of those things. I send them over to Nick. Nick edits it. He cleans it up, right? Cleans it up. Yeah. So it's not all fuzzy or like if I say um or like too much, he cuts those out. And then he handles all the back end. So he, he uploads it. He handles that. He lets me know how episodes are doing, uh, new things that we could add in, all of that, right? What, would you add anything else? Oh, yes, he does. Yes, you help with like lining up guests and with all of the ads. So like I'll, I'll always get an email from Nick that says like, you know, an ad opportunity. Do you want to take it? And then I have the option to take it or to not take it. And he handles all that. He basically... Everything that's been that was hard for me to do on my own for like the first year, Nick swooped in and saved the day. So basically, you make it a lot easier. So thank you. Thank you for what you do. Okay, let's do the next voicemail. He's also running the voicemails for this episode. So, 
Okay, I know everybody says this, but just like hearing your little voicemail tag is so like filled me with so much joy because it was like we're already best friends, which obviously we are. Um, so I just wanted to complain about something. So I don't know what planet people were raised on. People who do not know how to whisper. Like I'm sitting in this class, it's full of dozens of people, and I'm sitting beside this girl. And, uh, you know, the teacher says something and then she just straight up is talking to me. She's like, what did he say? What was the question? I was like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, um, it's this chapter. It's this page. We're at this part of the page. And you're like, oh, OK, thanks. And I'm like, everyone can hear you. Have you never learned how to whisper? Like, truly, I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what she's going to say bye. OK, here, here's what you guys might be thinking, because this is what I was thinking when I first heard this voicemail. You guys are probably thinking Maddie's one of these people because she has a really loud voice. And I get told that pretty often. Uh, turns out you can just invent a job with your voice. And that's what I did. But I know that you guys think I don't know how to whisper. But you guys are also forgetting my number one pet peeve of all time, which is talking in a movie, which is when people have questions about a movie and they just ask them willy-nilly at their normal level voice. I hate it more than I can even say. So because of that, I have perfected my whisper. And um, I don't really have any feedback. I agree with you. What planet were these people raised on? I feel like when people do annoying things, I'm like, where were your like older brothers like to beat you up? Because if I were to be that annoying, <laughs> I would have gotten a noogie. So I don't know why people do that. But um, I agree with you. I agree with you that it is it is a very, uh, very annoying thing. Okay, let's do another voicemail, actually. Hey, Maddie, Maddie. Um, my name is Allison, and I'm calling in to tell you literally the garbage thing that happened to me this week. Um I have my insurance requires for me to get my anxiety medication. I have to see a psychiatrist kind of insane, whatever I go to see the psychiatrist who I have never met this week. Um, I've seen an, a nurse practitioner before he calls my name. We go back to our room. He asks me how my medication is, asks me two other brief questions, not related to my health, then proceeds to tell me my BMI is extremely high and I'm 26 years old and I just need to lose weight. And I try to let him know, you know, these are things I'm working on and basically just a complete jackass, if I'm being totally honest, doesn't ever introduce himself. I literally thought he was the nurse for the first, like, I don't know, three minutes of the conversation. Still didn't know his name when I left. And that was all he said. It was basically like, honey, your BMI needs to be at a 19. All right, sir. Thank you so much. I get in the car, proceed to call my mother and ball, get home, tell my husband, then also ball. My husband, who is a medical student, is like, honey, that's not even a good BMI, the one that he told me. He's like, that would be you weighing some really low number. And I was like, great. That's like not even a healthy weight for me, which I do. I know I need to lose weight, Maddie. OK, do you want to know who's more aware of anyone feeling overweight? Uh, the person who is overweight. I do have some extra pants. Sir, I had a baby, a pandemic. Um, I live a million miles away from my family, and I, like, eat when I'm sad. So calm the freak down. Anyways, I had to vent, tell you that terrible story. Freaking, some physicians are absolute garbage, basically is what I'm trying to say. Especially stupid old men that are the worst, and they just treat you, especially women, like trash. So, woohoo, thanks for that. <laughs> okay, I feel the rage. I, I do feel the rage because I'm looking at the BMI chart right now. 
I want you guys to know that for my height, okay, so I'm 5'11", and for me to be at a healthy weight, I would have to weigh 135 pounds. In what world? In what world? I can't even believe how many pounds ago 135 pounds was. First of all, the BMI chart was probably made up by somebody who couldn't get a date. And they were like, this girl doesn't like me. How can I make her feel bad? So they invented this fake graph to make people feel bad. I feel like I've actually heard this like a lot, like that the BMI chart is so off. I can't even believe how off that is. I really do think I weighed 135 pounds in like probably fifth or sixth grade. Like that is a wild, wild thought. Let's see what my real, well, let's say what, what the BMI chart says I am. I actually don't really know how much I weigh because I don't own a scale. But I get a, a lot of questions about this, about like body stuff and like how to get over bad body days or like why, you know, a lot of like trauma from, weight gain or like trauma happened and then you gained weight or you gained weight and it made you feel trauma, all of these different things. And I know that we talk about it a lot, but I'm like, we could stop talking about it if it wasn't such a problem. And if it wasn't so hard to do, like it wasn't so hard to get through, like gaining weight really does feel traumatic, like mainly because of what other people say and how other people perceive you. And what I've learned Here's what I've what I've tried to keep in mind when I have like bad body days or like bad self-esteem days or if I gain weight or whatever. Um, I just know that the people around me aren't hanging out with me and don't like me. And like the people in my life who love me, they don't love me because of what I look like. Like if you think about the people that you love in your life, have you ever once thought like, you know, I'm going to be friends with her because, you know, she's thin. She's thin, so she's probably going to be a really good friend. You don't think about that with anybody else, which means nobody else is thinking about it, like, with you. And that has really helped me. And also, like, I mean, maybe this is maybe this is a bad attitude thing, but whenever I feel bad about my body, I'm always like, what am I going to do about it? Like, I can't change it right now. Like, I can do things that will make me feel good. I can go to the gym. I can eat things that, you know, are healthy or whatever. But in this moment right now, all it's going to do is ruin my day. Like, that's all it's going to do. It's not productive to sit here and obsess over it. It's not going to magically change the more you think about it. And it just matters so little how much you weigh and what you look like, especially what you weigh. When I went to the ear doctor, like I told you guys last week, remember, they had to weigh me, which I was like, it's my ear. It doesn't matter. But she like, she asked me what I weigh and I told her and she's like, no, you don't weigh that much. And I was like, no, I do. I I swear I'm dense. I am like full of wet sand. Like, I don't know why, but it really just, it doesn't matter. Like even people who you think are thin or have a good body, they probably weigh a different weight than you would ever expect. So stop weighing yourself. First of all, my vote is throw away every scale you own. Uh, second, don't look at the scale when you go to the doctor. That's what I do. I always turn away. And then sometimes they tell you and I'm like, I turned away for a reason, but whatever. And then the bottom line is that it just, it really doesn't matter. And that uh, you're, you're worth hanging out with and you're smart and funny and cool. And it really doesn't matter what you weigh. That's my, that's my hot take. I got a little sweaty thinking about that because I get so mad at old men, period. I was going to say old men doctors, but old men in general kind of make me cranky. Okay, another written in response that I have that I or question that I wanted to answer is if I have any major regrets in my life. I don't know if I've ever even been asked this, let alone answered it on a podcast, but my number one life regret is how many times I how judgmental I was in like my teenage and early 20s 
years. Like I thought, oh man, I thought I was like the smartest. Like I thought I had absolutely everything figured out. I thought that the way I was doing things was like the right way. And if I saw any of my friends or like classmates or anybody doing anything different, I was like, I was so, so judgy. And like, I get it. I still judge people now, but I judge people for like other things. Like when they wear finger toe shoes to the gym, like that's what I'm going to judge people for. Not like what religion you choose to practice. Uh, But I just spent so much of my time, like so worried about what other people were doing and like making sure that they knew that I disapproved of like some choice that they made. Like it mattered at all what I thought. And I wish I would have just like said to my friends or anybody around me, anybody who I spent time with, like, I wish I would have just spent all that time, like making them feel good and being a good friend and validating their experiences and their choices. And I would not spend one minute judging their decisions because everyone's, you know, living their own reality. We can't make anybody's decisions for them. Everyone's trying their best. And yeah, I just, I feel like I was so, so, especially in high school, all it like, I cringe at myself, you know, that self ick that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. I literally get that at myself when I, when I think about things that I said to my friends, oh my gosh, I don't even want to talk about it. So I try, I try day to day to never act like that ever again. That's my, that's my one regret. As far as like life decision regrets, none, none so far. I mean, no, no big ones. I mean, I do wish like I would have tried harder in college or like gotten better grades or things like that, or like tried out for, I don't even know, like gotten internships or things like that. But I'm, uh, I'm happy with, with where we landed, but ask me in a couple of years, maybe I'll do like something really dumb like next year and it'll make a really good podcast episode. Um, okay. Let's do another voicemail. Hi, Maddie. This is Megan from Texas. I am sick right now, so I sound kind of crazy, but I'm currently hiding in my closet for my kids so I can leave this voicemail just to tell you how much I love you. But what I'm raging about lately is how clothes are aligned at the store. They're always from the itty bitty extra, extra small to the extra large in the back. And I always wear an extra large top and I have to dig through everything to the bottom of the pants piles, to the back of the shirt piles, just to get the size that I want. Why on earth are all of them arranged that way at every store. And I get it aesthetically. It might be pleasing, but you know what's more pleasing to not have to dig to the bottom of the pile for the right size. And that is all I wanted to share with you. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Okay. I picked this one because I have a very specific response. Um, I already did like my whole body rant, so I won't even go into that. But I always thought about this when I was like, I think about it all the time when I'm shopping because I normally wear like an XL, like, or just whatever the biggest size is that they have. Like if they have a double X, I'm going for it. And it's always at the bottom of the pile. And I always think to myself, why did you put that at the bottom of the pile? Because the robust women are the ones who have to dig through that. They're going to mess up your piles way faster then the petite dainty women are going to are going to but what i think that they should do is that it should go instead of like small 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 medium 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 large 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 it should go small medium large small medium large and like you're right the the pile would look weird but i don't know why i feel so passionately about this but i just feel like every time i go to like carefully lift the shirts off of my xl i feel like fiona the ogre who like can't figure out how to grab things and just messes it all up. So really it's their own fault. Um, okay, this next this next question I loved. Why are people hating on Disney adults? 
I don't have a Disney tattoo. I just like going to Disneyland. That's the question. She's asking me, why do people hate on Disneyland and Disney adults? And I agree because at one point in my life, I'm sure I I probably roasted a Disney adult or two. But now I'm kind of thinking that Disney adults might just have it figured out. I mean, like they literally just... Like, you know how you do things that feel nostalgic, like you watch old movies or you eat like fruit roll-ups and you feel like you're 10 again? Like their life is just perpetually like that. That sounds amazing. Why Why would we not do that? I'm here in LA by myself. I'm staying right by Universal Studios. And I'm like, I'm about to go to Universal Studios and Harry Potter World alone. Why not? I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like we should probably stop roasting them. Actually, here's my thing. Here's my thing that I will roast them about. I don't like when they like take experiences away from actual little children. Like if you're an adult, you probably don't need to wait in line for a character. Like, you know that it's a person in a costume. The little kid next to you who like now has to wait behind 70 adults doesn't know that it's somebody in a costume. So like those things, I feel like we can probably let the kids, let the kids have it, you know, but Disney adults, I mean, I'm into it. Meg, my best friend, is a Disney adult, loud and proud, and I love it for her. Um, okay, let's see. Hi, Maddie. So I've been thinking a lot. Oh, my name is Kesley, um, and I am in Idaho. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot from the Ick episode. Someone said that their date ate something. Was it at Olive Garden? Like Alfredo? And then while his mouth was full, take a big like chug of water. And my husband... He'll eat, and I wouldn't say his mouth is, like, full, but there's definitely food in there when he takes a drink, and it it's me, and I tried explaining to him that it's gross, and he just doesn't see the problem. So is it ever okay to take a drink when there is food in your mouth, and how much? Like, how much food can be in your mouth when you also put liquid in your mouth. And maybe, maybe there's types of food. I don't know, but it needs to stop and he doesn't understand. Thank you. Okay. I don't know. I don't have like the measurement system. Like I don't have like, oh, you can have like four tablespoons of food in your mouth before it's okay to take a drink. Or like once you hit that limit, like don't take a drink because I just think like just the visual of it, because first of all, oh my gosh, I don't even like talking about it. It makes me, it actually is so foul to me. But then you have to like put the food like in the side of your mouth and then take a drink. And like, then you're, it's so bad. It's so bad. Here's the only exception. If you're literally dying, like if you have a, something stuck in your throat and like you are going to die without it, that is the only, <laughs> that is the only way that I will accept it. Otherwise, if you have food in your mouth, like how hard is it to just swallow and then take a drink? Like it's, it's so sick to me. I don't know. I don't know why. I also have been thinking about it since then. And um, yeah, level five, level five red zone ick for me. Actually, probably I, I'd put that at a level four. Like if your husband's doing it, don't leave him over it. Um, but like definitely threaten to leave him over it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that either. But uh, yeah, that's got to change. Okay. I'm going to end with this one. Um, this is a written in question that I wanted to end on because um People people ask me this a lot, and I I probably answered it before, but I wanna I wanna answer it again. And it is uh, she asked me, I have no idea what to do with my life. What do I do with my life? And this is the position that I was in before I started the podcast. Well, before I started the the bad broadcast Instagram, I was so unbelievably lost, like, and not in like a funny way, like in a really depressing, like my life is gonna end way. I had no idea what I was supposed to do because. 
I was also married to somebody who had like a very clear passion and talent and he was working in it. Like Matt's always known that he was going to be a musician. He's always been really great at it. Um, And then he worked in it. Like, so it just felt very seamless for him to do that. I could not for the life of me figure out what I was supposed to do. I like started a food Instagram that I thought like was going to take off in like three days. Like I thought it was going to be my career for my life. I mean, yeah, I worked in in retail. I thought I would do that. I worked seriously at a, at like a couple bakeries and I loved it. I worked in restaurants. Um, I worked in like sales, like just on a sales team at like a random like tech company. I don't even know if I could call it tech. It was probably a scam. Uh, but I just did all of these different things. And looking back now, deciding what I deciding what I wanted to do and how I ended up here at the podcast is because I got down to like the very like kernel of what it was that I wanted to do. Like I didn't have a job in mind. Like I didn't have like, oh, I want to be this. I want to be a comedian or I want to like write for that. Like I had, I had no idea that that could even exist. I just got down to the bare minimum, which was like, which was that I wanted to talk and I wanted to laugh. And like, I made it that easy. Like I, or not, not that it was an easy path, but I just, I made my goal that easy. Like, I just want to talk and laugh and make people laugh. And if that's what I do in my job, then that's my dream job. That That's what I want to do. And so I had to try a bunch of different things. And like, when I was working at these bakeries or in restaurants, I was like, I love this. Like, I love working around people and meeting new people. And I always thought I would work at restaurants just because I love to interact with a lot of people on a daily basis. And I love food and I loved the environment. And I just thought like, yeah, you know, Matt's going to do music and he's going to be doing that forever. And I'm just going to like be a server. Like it was so fun to me. I loved it because I got to do those two things. And so then I just started saying yes to stuff. And a lot of the stuff I said yes to made me cringe, like making videos on Instagram and starting a podcast and those things. But I always kept it in my mind that if I want to laugh and I want to talk, then this is that. This is what I'm doing. And that's that's always my advice when people are confused on what they want to do because your your little kernel of what you want want to do is probably going to be different. Like maybe it's, you know, you want to help people. That's probably what mine should be. You're a better person than me if it's help people. Uh, or if it's like, I want to write. I want to cook. Like just the little nugget of what you want to do. And then you just chase that. And eventually you find your dream job because if you're just keeping that in mind, then you're always going to be doing something that you like to do. And I do want to say that you guys, you guys know that I love you and I get all weepy when I think about you. But I could not do this job. This is my dream job. And I couldn't do it without you guys. And so thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for all the reviews, all the posts on social media. I genuinely think that I got that e-news thing because you guys went so hard on their post. You guys tagged me so many times. They were probably like, who paid all these bots to like comment? Because <laughs> it was wild. You guys are just the most supportive and I'm I'm very lucky to to do this. So thank you. I'll end on that note and just telling you guys how much I love ya. Uh, so be safe, be kind, be hot, and I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind-the-scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.